I'm Georgie. And I'm Michaela. And we're here to tell you about the University of Aberdeen. In each episode, we will discuss frequently asked questions about topics such as applications, go abroad, student life, sports and societies, budgeting for uni, and life in Aberdeen. We will be speaking to current Aberdeen students, those who really know what it's like to study and live here. And we'll be getting exclusive tips from members of our amazing staff. Join us for this episode of Ask Aberdeen. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Aberdeen. My name's Georgie and I'm pleased to be joined by two of our current Aberdeen students who are here to tell you about a day in the life of a science student. We're often asked questions about how many labs you have or what the facilities are like and many other questions. So we are very lucky to have Sam and Max here today to tell us about their experiences. So would you like to both introduce yourselves? Uh, yes, hello there everyone. My name's Max. I'm an MSci Biological Sciences student and I'm currently in my fifth year. And I'm Sam. I am currently in my third year studying neuroscience and psychology. And yeah, it's going fairly well. Brilliant. So we've got two kind of similar but also slightly different science subjects that we're going to cover. Um, but for any of the people listening, what Sam and Max say will hopefully kind of be fairly generic across the sciences. So if you're thinking of studying a science degree, the things that they advise and the kind of experiences they've had will relate to most people. So Sam, you do psychology with neuroscience, um, so you're obviously doing the BSc, which is the science version, but something Aberdeen offers is a Master of Arts in Psychology and a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and that often confuses quite a lot of people. So could you just explain a little bit about what the difference is between the MA and the BSc for psychology? Sure. So the raw course that you'll be doing is the same regardless if you take the MA or the BSc. Uh, you will still have to do statistics, which uh, a lot of people who come from more of the art side really don't like, but it, it is a, a fundamental part of the degree. And you'll still obviously be dealing with all the, the science and the research and the literature. However, psychology is in that weird in-between period where you can... So, for example, in social psychology, there is a lot of overlap with uh, sociology and some other kind of uh, more global theory and, and social studies, where you're looking more at uh, society and interlinks and anthropology, history. And so those connections can be really useful. So what actually changes is the subjects that you take alongside the degree. So you have additional credits and you need to make up a certain number of science credits uh, for the science course or uh, of essentially arts credits for the arts course. So you can take it with something like uh, sociology, history, anthropology, linguistics, and that will maybe map on. And so you'll probably have a preferred area that you quite like and that work, works well within the arts or within the sciences if you want to focus more on the biology or genetics or, or those kind of features. But the core course that you'll do will be the same. And what you can do with the course is mostly the same. Uh, there's very few things that uh, specify some skills but for the most part if it's specific then there'll be a master's that will train you into that which will accept people from either course. Brilliant that's a great explanation of it I think I need to learn all that um, and something else is obviously people are considering which MA or BSc is obviously the entry requirements are slightly different as well so um, as Sam said once you're on the course it's very similar but if you're applying for the science version you will need some sciences from your hires or your A-levels if you're applying for the MA uh, psychology, you may not need any at all. So it's, I don't think there's any specific entry requirements, just the grades that we look for there. So that may make a difference as well, which one you're choosing. So kind of focusing on the sciences, um, how did you guys find moving from school or college to university? Because for some people, it can be quite a big jump. How did you find it, Max? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, I actually went to high school in Italy. And um, when you start senior school or high school there, you sort of... Um, 
choose certain topics, certain uh, subject areas to focus on. So I went to a science-based school. I knew from a very young age that I, I wanted to study science, but I did uh, maths, physics, chemistry, and biology was funnily probably the subject that I did the least at school, but I just really enjoyed it, um, had, a, had a passion for it, and um, wanted to move back to the UK as I'm half Italian and half Scottish to study um, in an English-speaking university. And uh, the transition was, was very smooth. Everybody who I've spoken to who's um, maybe gone to high school in the UK or to um, uh, a high school in a different European country, they found the transition in terms of content to be quite smooth. They all feel quite prepared. And the first year is generally quite int introductory. It covers a lot of um, broad subject areas just so it, it's not too intimidating and people get to um, get a little taste of everything and then decide which areas of uh, biology or science in general to specialise in in their uh, subsequent years. So the um, the uh, main thing that you need to adapt to is more just uh, living by yourself, if that's uh, the first time that you're doing that, or uh, moving to a new country, which was uh, the case for me. But um, the student community, the staff at uh, the University of Aberdeen are all very welcoming and absolutely fantastic. So the transition is, uh, was as smooth as possible. And um, I think it would, uh, most people would say the same. Brilliant. It sounds like, I think it's good if you know what you want to do straight from like you did at school, you did so much science leading up to it. Um, that's really great. How did you find it, Sam? I will mostly echo Max here, where I found the transition very straightforward. Uh, it was a lot of continuations and because again, psychology falls in that ground, I found that I was able to continue both philosophical, kind of, you know, artistic, more analytical thoughts and kind of long form ideas, as well as my interest in sciences. So I've done a lot of uh, biology and was considering something like medicine as an alternative. So I, I've always been quite eclectic and I found it a really useful continuance to almost like every idea that I dealt with before, which was very nice. So I had the kind of chemistry and biology in uh, biological psychology and the brain working in the neuroscience. And I had just continuing to critically deal with theories, ideas, arguments, philosophy, uh, which was also very useful. So very smooth transition and enjoyed it. Brilliant. I think um, possibly for science students, maybe you're more likely to have studied the subject at like high school or A-level or whatever, I think maybe some of the arts students may have not studied those subjects before, so it might be a slightly different transition. Um, I, I did law and I, the transition from school to A-level was really difficult, but from A-level to uni was actually okay. So I think if anyone's experienced that kind of jump from GCSE to A-level or from Nat Fives to Hires, it's not as bad, I think, going into university, which you guys have both kind of said is, is the case for you. So when you're at uni, obviously people talk about seminars and lectures and labs and kind of what does that mean to someone who's never heard of it before? Um, Max, do you want to kind of explain how many lectures and seminars you have and what's the difference? Okay, absolutely. Uh, as a science student, you're probably going to get a mix of all of that from your very first year. So um, lectures, they in the first year usually last just about an hour or two, and then they can become a bit longer as you progress through the years up to three hour lectures. And that's just when you'll have an academic member of staff essentially just speaking to you and describing some kind of uh, interesting, sometimes complex topic. And um, then usually what you'll do in your courses is you'll be able to apply that knowledge that you've gained from lectures in both seminars and lab practicals. In the seminars you might be encouraged to 
speak up a little bit more and discuss some ideas just to test your understanding and to ask questions even if there's something that's been unclear and in the lab practicals you'll be able to learn important techniques that actually apply the um the concepts that you've uh, learned about in these lectures and it's all all very very fun um my first labs in the in the first year were quite an eye-opening experience school in italy is very theory based so i was excited to to get some of this uh practical experience as well brilliant and sam how was it for you with um doing psychology and neuroscience i know psychology is a very popular subject did you find your lectures are quite big and how was that so our lectures are actually a little shorter, but more spread out. So we have four lectures a week. We're usually covering uh, three different topics within psychology, uh, which we'll have lectures on every week. Uh, and those will be about an hour. And then we're covering a, a methodological or statistical uh, topic, which would be another lecture. And so those are obviously, well, used to be, we're recording this in COVID, uh, in a big lecture hall with everyone in the course. And then you would have the smaller workshop or seminar groups, which would often be more discussion focused, or you might have to do some research and prepare a presentation or discuss a particular topic, do a, a certain activity. Then we, oh, sorry, one other thing that we have in psychology in your sense that isn't in most classes is uh, flipped lectures or flipped classrooms which are something that's kind of new in like pedagogical research and it's where you do work beforehand and then you come to the lecture and you treat the lecture as kind of a large workshop with everyone in the class so you've done the actual reading and that before and then you're coming with ideas for group activities and things those are actually really useful and uh, hopefully we'll make even more use of them so then uh, we've got workshops and then we've got uh, labs, which are where you would be doing experiments, you'd uh, run through participants. Um, some of ours are also uh, statistics practicals, where it's more just using the, the software and doing the data analysis. Uh, so we have usually about one of those a week, sometimes two uh, for the psychology course, then obviously you'll have additional ones uh, for any other courses that you're doing along with that. Brilliant, that sounds really interesting. Um, the flip lecture sounds really interesting as well because I think something people from my experience at university not everyone comes to seminars and they don't do the prep work for them either and it's just it's so beneficial if you do if you really like engage with those seminars that's your your time to spend more kind of interaction with your lecturers and ask more questions and if you've done the prep obviously you, you then are prepared for that um, so yeah a note to listeners if you're if you're starting university like do engage with all your lectures and things because and your seminars particularly because they are really really useful to you so in terms of facilities something again we get asked a lot is where where will I be studying you know where which building will I be based in um, I'll, Sam I'll come to you first this time do you have a building you're kind of particularly based in yeah so we're mostly based in the William Guild it's kind of the one where a lot of the psychology and neuroscience uh, labs, research things, all the uh, EEGs, uh, th those kind of equipment is all set up through those. You occasionally uh, will be doing some lab work, which might be in, what's the zoology building to the left of the, as you're looking to the library on the left, is that Meston? Uh, Meston, yeah. Yeah, so you'll, you'll occasionally be in either side of the library one and very occasionally in the zoology building. But for the most part, we are based in William Guild and that's where most of the equipment and labs will be as well as the workshops. It's also got that enormous arts lecture theatre, hasn't it, in William Guild. So you're probably in there for psychology. What about you, Max? Are you in kind of Meston, Fraser Noble, I presume? Yeah, in first year, I experienced the um, uh, arts lecture theatre in William Guild and I actually quite missed that because it's, it's massive. It's a fantastic place to have first year lectures with those 
larger classes. But yeah, now um, as a biological sciences student, I'm mainly based in the zoology building. That's where we have all of our lab facilities and um, a lovely Cruikshank garden just outside as well. So if you have a little break between lectures, you can go for a walk in there. There's lots of beautiful, cool uh, little bits of nature and exotic plants. Um, and yeah, we have our lectures in that same building as well. In first year, you'll probably be getting a tour of the entire campus though. Uh, since classes are a bit larger, your lectures will likely be in a, in a series of different buildings. So um, I've also had lectures in the Meston building that uh, Sam mentioned, and also in St. Mary's and uh, New, New King's, which is quite central just on um, Elphinstone Lawn. Yeah, I think it's nice with Aberdeen it being a campus university, everything's pretty much in one place. Um, so it sounds like you're both pretty much constantly down on our new on our King's College campus. Um, if anyone's listening, thinking medicine, we do have our medicine campus up at Forest Hill, um, but pretty much all our other science courses are majoritarily based down on uh, King's College. And it's all quite close together. So um, the guys have discussed the various buildings. You can have a look at a campus map and see where those all are, but it's not very far to go between them and you can always tell when it's changed over time because there's millions of students everywhere like crossing over and going down the little lanes on campus and things so um yeah so it sounds like you'll kind of have an area you're based in but like you said in first year maybe based across the campus a bit more um so with your degrees um we obviously a lot we try and explain to students how there's lots of optional modules and the flexibility of the degrees with Aberdeen and I think Scottish students perhaps understand that a bit better because lots of the Scottish universities offer this, but some other students from other countries or from England maybe have no idea what we mean when we talk about the degree flexibility. Um, so Max, I'll come to you again first. Do you want to just explain kind of what optional modules you took and kind of how it works? Yeah, absolutely. The um, MSI Biological Sciences degree that I'm on is fantastic for flexibility. Um, so essentially each year I'm required to take a fixed amount of credits from uh, biology courses, usually around about half or more of my credits. And then uh, those remaining credits, I can either select more biology courses, if that's just what I'm set on and all I want to do, or I can uh, broaden my horizons and take a few other optional um, uh, yeah, non-biology courses, particularly in the first two years. So um, with that, I took advantage and I did chemistry for the first two years as well. I even did a history course on uh, history and philosophy of the scientific revolution. Um, a lot of people do languages. I, I personally didn't do that, but uh, there's plenty to choose from. And um, it's, it's, it's a, nice, uh, a nice option because it means that you won't necessarily just uh, be focusing on one topic that you might get a little bit tired with, a little bit bored of, even if it's your favourite topic, you, you get to mix it up a little bit and uh, experience different subject areas. I think it helps with employability as well, doesn't it? Because you stand out a little bit from other students. So a student's been to another university where they've just studied biological sciences. You've both got a degree in biological sciences, but you can say to an employer, yeah, but I've done a bit of history. I've done a bit of, you know, I've, I've delved a bit deeper. So um, we talk about the kind of depth of the study that we can do in our degrees as well at Aberdeen. How's that been for you, Sam? Have you kind of taken optional modules in different subjects? Absolutely. Uh, so primarily, uh, I've been doing biology courses aside, uh, actually, uh, most terms. I've also taken quite a few chemistry. I've taken one maths. Um, but again, having that flexibility, because you don't have to do all your credits in a science or an arts, there are a couple crossovers I did. Uh, I did a 
theory of mind philosophy course and i actually really enjoyed that that is kind of one of my favorite courses that i've done and was kind of something very different but certainly really enjoyable and uh, a lot of interesting ideas to uh, deal with in that and i took a counseling course uh, which is also more on the art side but again ties in if you're looking to go into specifically counseling psychology and i just found that a useful exploration of those ideas and it comes with its own qualification if you continue it through nice that sounds really cool and something people sometimes ask us is do I have to take optional modules in other subjects? And what if I don't like them? What if I do badly? Kind of how does it affect your grade? You know, how are you assessed with those optional modules? Um, do you want to explain that, Sam? Sure. So you will have a set number of credits that you will have to make up. So from what I'm remembering, it was 60 from my uh, like psychology and neuroscience, which was the three main theory courses and the one uh, practical uh, methodology and statistics course. Those uh, count as 60 of the 90 grades that uh, you need for each term. So you then have two 15 credit courses that you need to pick up essentially uh, per term. So you would have a selection of courses that you could do. You can change those, but only in the first few weeks. So try and, you know, have a long think about it. You can talk to some of the lecturers and in those early weeks really think, is this something that I want to be doing? Look through the course guide, look through the exams but uh, that there are lots of options and I would hope that most people could find something that interests them and that they enjoy. And if you don't, do be prepared to explore because help, you might find something that's your next degree. I have met a load of people who are dealing with like modular degrees who are, oh, I took this one course and then uh, a year later I switched degree and now I'm a linguistics major or something because it just really clicked with me. Yeah, that's so true. That's something we really try and explain to people is you could start on a a degree in art history and you could try a module in a different history or in something completely different um right the first kind of few weeks of your university degree and if you decide that actually you are on the wrong degree and you prefer something else um you can switch in the first two years of studying your degree um so as long as you've taken modules and enough modules from that that new topic um early enough in your university kind of career then you can change to a completely different degree when you finish university so you might have applied through UCAS with one thing in mind and you might finish with a very different degree um but that's really great because lots of people have never tried their subject before and they don't know what to expect and it's a bit daunting to kind of commit so early when you're at school um but yeah as these guys have said you can try different subjects and I think you've both stuck with what you've you applied for but um people do change a lot and that's completely okay um so for your assessments again that's something people ask how will I be assessed is it exams is it coursework how often is it through the year or is it at the end of the year Max do you want to explain what you've experienced uh, sure. Uh, the short answer is you'll be assessed in a bit of everything, a bit of all of the above. But to elaborate on that, um, I would say biology at the moment is maybe a 50-50 split between exams and a continuous assessment. Continuous assessment uh, can be anything um, ranging from just online multiple choice tests all the way to essays on uh, topics of, of your choice or... Um, oral presentations, for example, they're quite common in the, in, in the later years. At the beginning, though, first year, it's mainly just um, lab practicals that you're assessed on. So you'll usually get a, a lab notebook that you have to fill out for each course and also um, maybe some lab worksheets that you need to um, uh, fill out and just answer questions, uh, jot down your results at the end of, um, at the end of every lab session. Um, a few essays and then exams at the end of each term, which are usually worth about 50% of each of your courses. 
and uh, they can be daunting at the beginning but um, once you get past the initial experience the initial hurdle they just become second nature and uh, much less intimidating <laughs> and you can correct me if I'm wrong but Aberdeen do the exams before Christmas right rather than in the new year so you actually get to enjoy your Christmas break rather than my experience of being at a different university was revising on New Year's Day and all through Christmas and being really stressed. But that's right, isn't it, that Aberdeen did exams before Christmas? That's absolutely right, yeah. I have really enjoyed that, having a free Christmas break and actually being able to just sit with family and have fun and not be incredibly stressed and worry about all the revision you need to do before you get back. That's so nice. And Sam, how has it been for you on neuroscience and psychology? How are you assessed? Very similar to what was said. So we have uh, exams at the end of the year, but we also have continuous assessment. It's probably weighted slightly heavier on the continuous assessment. So I'd say maybe 70% continuous assessment, 30% uh, end of year assessments. Uh, the end of year assessments are often essays for the theory courses. So those will be something like here is a theory in the, the research area or critically analyze a particular paper or idea. Uh, that kind of take where you need to uh, have a deep dive into the research and explore it and then come up with some critical analysis and uh, cohesive writing on the subject. Uh, or you might have MCQs, uh, which would be, again, more theoretically based on uh, the science or the methodology and the statistics. Then throughout the year, you'll have practicals which will be assessed. You will have uh, statistical uh, tests that you'll have to go through. You will have MCQs, you will have essays. Some of those will also be in the format of uh, things like uh, recommendation reports. So as if you were uh, writing a policy document essentially, uh, or you were doing a, a literature review and then sending a, a recommendation document to say, implement a particular kind of program to aid developmental in a child psychology unit or in school. We also have lab reports and a big piece uh, throughout the year will be uh, a experimental report, which in the early years will just be something you do quickly in a, a practical class or even just get a sense of what you're doing. And then you'll get the data, you'll get the results and you'll just have to do the report. In later years, you will actually have to design that experiment, play a, a key role in designing that experiment. Uh, carrying that out, gathering the data, cleaning the data and preparing it, doing the analysis, and then writing up the report. So it gradually builds on itself over time each year. And something to say as well to our listeners is um, you might be, so we talked about the progression into university and generally we've all experienced that it's not too bad and that as you kind of build into it, but there are sometimes different things like um, referencing, which you may not have done at school, which you then do at university and you'll learn the joys of referencing. Um, but at Aberdeen, you have to pass all your modules and pass each year, but it's actually your last two years or if you're doing five, your kind of last few years that count towards your final degree classification. Um, so in the first year or so, if it's not your highest grade and it's not your best mark, it won't necessarily affect your final degree classification. Um, so it's something to kind of just remember that you're kind of working in gently and you've got time to learn how to do this all before it actually affects your final degree. So I know I did lots better in my final years once I'd learned how it all worked and got my head around it all than I did in kind of the first assessment I ever had at university. Um, I also experienced, and I don't know if you have this, being able to see when I was choosing my modules um, how they're assessed so I could see like is that module going to be an exam based or is it going to be coursework based because some people will feel much stronger towards one way or the other that they excel in was that the same for you you're nodding Max <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely you can uh, browse the course catalogue online before um, selecting your courses and there's information on 
obviously what the course will be about, the learning outcomes, who's going to be coordinating the course. So you can maybe look up the member of staff or speak with them if you want to find out a bit more. And um, yeah, there's also a little section on um, uh, assessments and grading. So it's it's clear in advance before you choose um, your uh, your courses exactly how you'll be assessed. So maybe you can strategically avoid courses that have an assessment that looks absolutely terrible that you would uh you you feel you wouldn't do well in or you could challenge yourself and uh and and, and try and choose a course like that's just whatever you'd prefer really absolutely always read the course uh guide booklet before you take it because you might find out that that course has 70 percent is one massive essay exam and that could be something that you're prepared for and you like or it could be something you absolutely do not want to deal with and that might be a deciding factor if you're trying to pick between a few courses you like I definitely did that. I chose tactically. I decided like what I liked. I don't like exams, but I always did better in exams than I did in a coursework. So I was like, right, I'll choose some that exam based. Although I also chose one that was 50% of that module was examined with a presentation. And at the time I was like, I hate presenting. What have I done to myself? Why am I doing this? And actually it went really well. And it was quite a good way of getting a good mark as well. So yeah, as the guys have said, uh, you can have a look and see. So do, do you think tactically what suits you when you're choosing your modules? So moving on to kind of different area of the study and subjects um, is field trips. So I know for things like geography, people will do lots of field trips and archaeology and those other science subjects. Um, have either of you experienced any kind of field trips or can you talk about them um, from your subjects? Uh, I've not experienced a field trip uh, in the traditional sense. I've experienced a virtual field trip, actually, because um, the year that I was meant to go on when I was meant to go to Catalonia, um, and uh, yeah, that wasn't possible due to COVID. So uh, instead, the School of Biological Sciences organised a selection of uh, virtual field courses, which um, they, they were fantastic to be honest. I, I feel like the learning outcomes were still exactly the same. Um, and yeah, it, om it, it almost felt as if we were there. But uh, traditional field courses, they tend to happen um, in second and third year at, at the end of the, of the year for biological sciences students. So usually in the uh, first summer months and um, yeah there are lots of fantastic local options uh, in the UK and then some overseas ones so with um, the, the Catalonia one that I mentioned there's the um, marine biology field course in Greece as well um, and uh, the newest one is actually all the way in South Africa so there are lots of fantastic choices I can't speak uh, from personal experience but uh, uh, students from previous years that I know who got to experience these, they they all really valued the uh, the field trips. That sounds amazing. Even I've learned something there. I knew obviously on the north east coast of Scotland we've got amazing wildlife. So for our kind of biology and marine biology, zoology students, there's lots of opportunities to go out and see wildlife and kind of have practicals in that sense as well as the labs and things. Um, but being able to go abroad sounds great. Matt, uh, Sam, did you want to add to that? Yeah, so I cannot comment on the abroad field trip, which sounds fantastic, and it's such a shame that that's made virtual, and I hope you get a chance to really go and explore that. But I can comment on the Northeast one, because we had a uh, field trip for ecology, where we just went to around, I think, a little bit above Newborough, and just looked at uh, 
the types of plants and animals that you saw. So we had our, our quadrats and, and we're cataloging uh, trees and uh, pH of soil and, and kind of ground uh, light levels, those kind of things, uh, just different areas as you moved uh, towards the beach and how nature progresses in its various cycles. Uh, and yeah, uh, life builds up and you get different stages of life at different areas. Sounds really interesting. You mentioned Newbra there. We've got the Seal Beach as well at Newbra, which is amazing. Like, even if you're not on a science course, you should go and have a look. Um, there's like a seal colony all year round. Um, take some binoculars if, if the sea isn't right in because they can be further away. But um, it's incredible. It's just masses and masses of seals. Um, so that's really nice to just go and look at in the area. Um, and talking about kind of extra things that you do outside your course, um, what about societies? Obviously, we have lots of sports clubs, but we also have lots of societies and many of them are linked to um sciences or courses that people do sam i know you've been part of some of these do you want to speak about your experience sure so uh first of all i am part of the uh neuroscience journal club which is just uh it's kind of like a reading club except rather than uh read a book you're reading some papers uh a theory and an idea in uh neuroscience and then you get together and discuss it uh i'm also vice president of the psychology society uh which that's, I guess, a bit more of a social one. We do try and do uh, things like exam help and revision help, but that's a lot more just like trying to keep the community and uh, talking to everyone and hosting a bunch of events to keep people entertained throughout the year. Then I, I really think that science can be useful for public policy, keeping people informed. I guess there's no better example of that than the last year and, and COVID, just how important to public health, safety and well-being kind of good science communication understanding is. So I'm also part of things like the Science Mag, and I occasionally work uh, with uh, both uh, podcasts like the content creators and with uh, the Aberdeen Student Radio when that was running uh, to just get out some science news, some science journalism, and to try and do my best to keep people informed and practice my own uh, science communication skills, because I think that is really important. Sounds like you keep busy, Sam. <laughs> um, but it's great for your CV as well. These are all these extra things that I think I still wish I'd done more when I was at university. I wish I'd joined more societies and done more things because there's such an easy way into getting like work experience or, or relevant things, even if it's not work experience as such, it's relevant things that you can then put into your CV when you're applying for a job and shows that you're also really engaged and you're really committed to kind of what you're interested in. Do you have anything to add to that, Max, about societies that you've been part of? Uh, yeah, absolutely. To add on Sam's great examples, I would say if you're looking for um, societies that are quite strictly linked to the biological sciences subject area, there are three. There's the Conservation Society, and they're well known for going on these fantastic excursions where maybe they, um, uh, they all pay a fee to take a bus and uh, yeah, just go and visit some fantastic natural area around Scotland. Then there's also the Marine Society and the Zoology Society. And all three of these collaborate quite often. They organize pub quizzes, for example, just uh, chats, documentary screenings. They love watching David Attenborough documentaries as all biological sciences, well, as all people do in general, I would say. And um, yeah, and they also get together to organise the Biological Society, biological Sciences Ball every year, which is um, a fun experience, usually around about March, I think. And yeah, on top of that, there's such a wide selection of sports clubs as well to choose from. If you uh, would like to keep active during your time here, the Aberdeen Sports Village is just 
about a five minute walk from campus. So it's really easy if you have uh, free slots between lectures to just run over, have a quick trip to the gym or to the swimming pool and or uh, do training with whichever sports society you would like to join. Brilliant, thank you. And anyone who's listening and wondering what other societies there are, they can have a look on uh, the AUSA website. So that's A-U-S-A. Uh, if you just search that, it will come up with the AUSA website and you can see all the sports and societies that the university has. So um, there are loads for all different subject areas. Um, and yeah, I 100% recommend joining them because there's lots of fun things that you don't really know are related to your degree that they'll do trips and they'll get you work experience and things like that. So kind of on the note of work experience and kind of your degree leading to something beyond university, um, what about kind of placement years? Aberdeen doesn't do a huge number of actual placement at gap year type things in your degree, but a lot of our students do summer work and summer placements. Um, Sam, I know you've done some summer placements or have experience of them. Do you want to explain what you've done? Sure. So I have mostly done things within the uni. So Aberdeen has a fairly prolific research department, especially around kind of psychology and neuroscience. It was one of the birthplace of the uh, fMRI or the MRI. Uh, and there is a, a lot of interesting research coming out. So pretty much every summer you can apply for various research roles as a research assistant or intern, or if you have your own project, and then you may get a grant to get that funded, or uh, you can possibly just uh, volunteer as a general assistant if you just want to gain some experience about but don't have a sure idea that you're interested in or a particular lab you really want to do an internship with. And that can be a really great way to do experience, uh, again, experiences. Uh, I ha currently have an internship planned that's going to start in a week or two uh, that will uh, be looking at cognitive modeling of various biases and ways to reduce and minimize them, especially uh, self-based biases and egocentrism. So that's a lot of fun. Um, and then for work outside, I, I tend to work quite a bit in education. Uh, so I do tutoring. Uh, I, I was doing some COVID test stuff and I work with uh, TechFest, which put on essentially science uh, communication events and education events, uh, especially for schools to, to come and experience. So those have been a lot of fun. And that's what I'm doing when I'm not in an internship or something. That's amazing. You're so busy, Sam, but it's just, it's the perfect time to do it. You know, cram it all in while you're at university and make the most of it. What about you, Max? Have you done any kind of placements or work experience related to your degree or, or outside your degree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Pretty similar stuff to Sam, actually. Uh, for the past two years, I've been working as a student ambassador with the university. So um, we work open days, for example, information sessions, give campus tours to students and parents who are looking to join maybe from from abroad or just from another city and they aren't familiar with Aberdeen. They just want to get a feel about what, uh, uh, how the campus is and what the whole university experience is about. Um, and then on top of that, uh, last summer, I did a research project funded by the Carnegie Trust. So um, my supervisor and I, the same supervisor actually helped me with my honours project in my, my fourth year, which I've just finished. We um, applied for funding to carry out a a summer project on an area of biology that was of particular interest to us. And um, finally, the last thing I would say is this summer, I'm uh, on the Aberdeen internship program where a lot of different um, departments within the university uh, each seek out one intern. I'm working with the postgraduate research school um, and they provide this intern with a project to carry out for the entire summer. And it's fantastic because you just get to meet a lot of staff members who, um, who, who you wouldn't otherwise, and uh, get to help student experience for um, 
for future students coming in. So my current project, for example, is just uh, mapping out and improving the uh, communications that are given to postgraduate research offer holders and um, also the communications that are provided to them throughout their experience uh, at the university. And to just, yeah, the objective is to just enhance that and um, uh, hold focus groups with these students, find out what they like, what they dislike, and just try and make the experience as enjoyable as possible for them. So there's, there's plenty to do, even just within the university. That sounds really great. How would a student find out about these opportunities if they're you know, starting at Aberdeen and they're really keen to do all these things you, you two are talking about? Where do they start? Who can they speak to? A great place to start would be the Careers and Employability Service at the university. They give fantastic uh, careers advice for um, current students and even graduates. I think you can um, ask them for advice up to five years after graduating even, just for help with your career. And um, there will be a professional within the career service uh, for each subject area, for each school. So uh, an expert in careers in biological sciences and law, psychology, neuroscience, everything um and yeah they're they're particularly well versed in uh providing information on opportunities that you could uh that you could look at during the summer both within the um university and out with as well so a great uh um yeah a great point of call brilliant something again we recommend people do because you have really long summer holidays which is lovely at university but if you can do something productive with that and kind of find some part-time work it helps you're often paid, sometimes it's voluntary, um, you can find that out as well, but um, it gives you, again, something to pop on your CV when you're finishing university to kind of make you stand out from every other graduate. Um, Sam, did you have anything else to add um, to kind of what Max has said about where to kind of look for help? I think Max has covered the main place that I'd go to. The other thing I'd just say is check with your friends and sometimes there'll be a particular person at the schools and they might be able to point you in the right direction. Brilliant. So I think we've covered so many different topics and hopefully people listening will have a really good idea now. I have got an even better idea now of what it is like to study science at Aberdeen. Um, so I'm going to come finally to you each to give a kind of top tip. So if a student is starting in September or they're listening and they're going to apply for the kind of 2022 entry, what would be your top tip to that student, Max? I'll come to you first. Oh, that's a fantastic question. My top tip would just be to get involved and be active. Do as much as you can, uh, starting from your first year. I know because I've been guilty of this myself, it can be very easy to just sit back in your comfort zone, maybe make a few friends right at the beginning and get a few hobbies. But um, you should just always be trying new things, particularly in those first two years, just so you don't miss out on any cool opportunities and because there is just so much to do so much to do at the university so that would be my uh my top tip good advice and sam i would absolutely agree with jumping and get involved i'd also add to that and especially in science don't be scared of exploring new things and it will be a lot of work but you definitely can do it i know so many people who've been put off with statistics or we've done a bit of coding, especially using R for data analysis and things. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are really put off by that. And there's maybe certain stereotypes and assumptions about uh, who, who that's for and who it's not for that are really important to challenge. And just being in groups. So, for example, uh, currently I'm uh, learning R and I'm in a coding club, which is like 80, 90% uh, female psychology, of course, uh, is kind of... Uh, that a much higher uh, number of female students and those kind of things just showing people that y you can do 
statistics, you can do cognitive modeling, you can do coding. Uh, these will seem scary at first and they will put a lot of people off. But the if you stick with it, you absolutely can do it and you will gain a lot from that. So jump in, get involved in societies and challenge yourself a bit with what you think might be just beyond your horizon or might not initially seem like it's for you. But if it's useful, you might gain a lot out of it. Brilliant. Thank you so much both. That's been really, really interesting. Um, I hope our listeners enjoyed finding out about what it is like to be a science student in Aberdeen. Um, if anyone listening does have any questions um, or the guys have mentioned something and it's really kind of prompted your interest, um, you can go onto our website and you can chat to some of our ambassadors through our website or you can send an inquiry through um, and someone will get back to you as well so we can uh, chat to you before you even start at the university. Um, we have more episodes coming up, including next week's, which is going to be a day in the life of an arts and humanities student. So if you're thinking it's not science for you, but you're more kind of maybe English or something like that, um, have a listen to that one as well, because you'll find out all about what's different for an arts and humanities student. Um, and if you've missed any of our episodes so far, you can check them out on the webpage or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, so I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode and thank you so much to Max and Sam. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Ask Aberdeen podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic we should cover, please email us at ukteam at abdn.ac.uk. We would love to hear from you. To be alerted about new episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.